0: Or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.ccciv.org forward slash get the app. Or when you text CCCIV APP to 77977.
1: What this video teaches us more than anything is that everybody wants a superpower, but very few people want to be a superhero. If you go back and you listen to this video again, which superpower would you have if you could have any superpower in the world and why? And they all rattled them off. Well, you know, I'd like teleportation so I could move from one place to another, telekinesis so I could be lazy and move things with my mind, invisibility so I could spy on my friends, super speed because it would be really cool to run around really fast, fly so I could fly anywhere in the world, You see a pattern developing within the human nature with all of those responses. And every single one of those kids said, I want this superpower for a very selfish reason. See, the difference in superhero movies, if you watch any Marvel or DC superhero movie, for the most part, is the heroes use their superpowers selflessly. The supervillains abuse those Superpowers and they use them to their own advantage. Is this not correct? See, the world is filled with people who want the power, but there's very few people who, when they have the power, will use it to bless other people. They'll use it to their own advantage, they'll abuse that power. Today, what we're going to be looking at in Romans chapter 12 is the fact that God has intentionally, let me say that again, intentionally given each and every one of you a superpower. He's given you something that we call gifts, charismata in the Greek, and the word means something that you have been given or graced, favor bestowed upon you, that there's no way you could have procured that on your own. You could not have gained that advantage on your own. It's an absolute gift that has been bestowed upon you. And every single one of you, as a believer, as a part of the body of Christ, have been given one of these gifts... And the question is whether or not you are using that gift to the advantage of the rest of the body or if you're hoarding that gift and using that gift selflessly. Are you going to, at the end of the day, choose to be a superhero or a supervillain? Plenty of people want the power, but not very many people want to use that power to give themselves away. Let's look at what Paul says here, Romans chapter 12. Let's just pick it up at verse 1, because we went over verse 1 and 2 last week, I promise we'll do more verses this week, we're going to get all the way to verse 8 this week, so let's look at verse 1, I appeal to you, I beg you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, again, we're Kind of summing up the previous portion, the doctrine that he's laid out, the teachings that are there. And now Paul's saying, because of all of this rich doctrine, because of these beautiful truths, now I'm going to give you a challenge. Now I'm going to tell you what to do with that knowledge. I'm going to tell you how to walk out that knowledge, how to put that knowledge. That faith into practice. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't look like the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now let's continue on. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of themselves more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and many members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now as we read through this list, I want you to do me a favor, and as you're taking notes, I want you to write down which of these gifts kind of jumps off the page for you personally and you think that's probably the gift that God has bestowed upon me. No quiz, no test. You guys can go home and you can google spiritual gifts test and you can take a test and it will kind of tell you maybe which areas of the gifts you should be operating in but I just want you to write down very simply which one as we go through this list this morning jumps off the page and you think that's what God has called me to do. That's the one gift God has called me to do. Now, I don't believe that you only have one gift. I believe that God has graced you with more than one gift. But there's probably one that maybe overshadows the rest, that you are compelled to walk in that gift. I want you to write that down because at the end we're going to have an opportunity to bring that gift before the Lord. Again, let's look at this one more time, beginning verse 3. Let's take this now and we're going to kind of tear this apart. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. This portion where we begin to look at these gifts, these charismata of the Spirit, these gifts that have been given, it begins here with the word grace. I want you to see something that's going to take place here. There's going to be a process of building that will happen. Again, if you have your notes there, I want you to take out your notes. And I want you to begin this by looking at this call by Paul to have a humble mind. And we're going to build on this to the point that we're going to see some strength come into the body. But it has to begin with a humble mind. He says, by the grace of God given to me, I'm begging you to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Have a humble mindset, okay? Now, this text begins with grace, and I love this because Paul was a man who knew the grace of God. Here's a man who went around persecuting the church. He did everything that he could to try to put an end to the gospel spreading, right? But on the road to Damascus, he was graciously met with the vision of the Lord, and it stopped him dead in his tracks, and his life was changed in that moment. Here's a man who would go on and who would say in Ephesians chapter 2, Speaking of grace, we're not saved by works, right? It's by grace you have been saved. Through what? Through faith. And that, even, that faith is not even of yourself. Even that faith is a gift of God. You're not saved by works, lest any of us should brag about our salvation. Salvation, at its core, is a gift of grace. Something that you cannot earn, something that you do not deserve. He is a man who understood grace. And the only way that you're really truly going to have a humble mindset here this morning is if you understand that what God has blessed you with, you do not deserve. That takes humility. It takes being able to look in the mirror and really give a true assessment of yourself. To not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. To understand that it's just by grace you've been saved. See, we are not only saved by grace... But here now Paul is telling us in this text that we're also, the only way that we're able to serve him in any way that matters is through grace. We are saved by grace, but we also serve through grace. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 2. It says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word works there, it means it's God who produces something in you. It's God who is working and molding and shaping and causing you to have the abilities. The word in Greek is energon. It's where we get our word energized from. That it's God's spirit working in you that is energizing you to do something good. I can't claim any credit for anything that God does in and through me. Only God should get that glory because it's his spirit in me. Just as the same sense that I was saved by grace, I am used by grace. You understand, don't you, this morning that God doesn't need you to spread the gospel throughout the world. God doesn't need you to teach or to minister or to serve or to exhort or to encourage. God doesn't need you one bit, but God chooses in his grace to use you. And that should cause us to give God glory. Right? There's something that is very important in having this humble kind of mindset and understanding, Lord, I don't deserve this. This is not something that you bestowed because you saw some sort of great worth in me. This is just here. Whatever your gift is, the only reason why this gift is in me at all is because you graciously bestowed this so that you could bless your body. To have that humble mindset. See, this is what Paul would say of himself when he was speaking to the church in Corinth, when he was having to actually give them a little bit of a rebuke, because the church in Corinth was a very carnal church. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter two. He says, my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. It wasn't that I had this great and superior intellect, although I do believe Paul did, but he's not appealing to that superior intellect or his abilities as an orator. Actually, most Bible commentators and scholars believe that Paul was not a very powerful speaker. I didn't come to you with these gifts of oration. I didn't come to you with really great and powerful words. But the reason why something happened in the church in Corinth, or the reason why the church in Corinth was birthed was this, because of the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. See, and there comes a point in every believer's life where you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice between trying to minister or serve God in the flesh... Or deciding that, you know what, I want to empty myself of this flesh and I want to serve God in power. And the only way that that happens is when I'm serving God in the spirit. When I acknowledge that it is him in me and through me and has nothing to do with me at all. So where will you be? How will you decide to exercise this gift? Again, Paul saying, the only way that I even have the ability to share this with you at all is because of God's grace. And I'm telling you that you also should not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. See, here's the great danger when we start to discover our gifts and the way that God has gifted us, right? And the way that he's deposited these, and I would even say invested these gifts within us. The danger is that we lose sight of the gift giver and we get lost in the gift. And our ministry becomes more about what we can do than what God can do in and through us. See, that's when we become puffed up. When we become so puffed up, we think, man, look at how God has used me. Look at what God is doing. Look at how I was able to deliver that message or help that person or give that donation or whatever it may be. And we become so consumed with ourselves that we forget that it isn't about us at all. It's about God doing something through us. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Don't get lost. Don't puff yourself up. Right, This type of an attitude, this humility that we speak of often in our sermons, it doesn't come naturally to the man of flesh. It just doesn't. Right, We have a tendency to think of ourselves first. We walk into a room and the first thing we do is we look around the room and we see maybe who looks like us. Who can I identify with? Who can I connect with? We don't walk into a room and think about people who are needing connection, people who are needing to be ministered to. Right? Our natural tendency for the most of us is to look into a room and say, what can I gain from these people? What can these people do for me rather than what can I do for these people? That's a natural fleshly tendency. But the humble mind, the man that is really walking and operating in an attitude of humility, that has to be cultivated. Cultivated. That has to be worked with. You have to really try. You have to purpose in your heart to lay aside the initial thought of self and say, how can I think of someone else first? But the beautiful part of this is it's something that is worth working for. You can cultivate this. You can be about this business. Jesus would say this. He said, referring to the way the Gentiles you know kind of hoarded their power he said it shouldn't be the same among you but whoever would be great among you must be your servant whoever would be first among you must be your slave how can you cultivate an attitude of humility in your life it's by looking at people around you and asking yourself this question how can i be a slave to that person How can I put that person's needs above my own? You know what? If we're going to be honest with ourselves, we're hypocrites if we do that when we walk into this building and we don't do it when we walk into our homes. If you can't, Look at the people in your own home that you should be closest with, that you love the most. If you can't look at your valentine and think, how can I be a blessing to this person? How can I be a servant to this person? How can I be a slave to this person? Rather than thinking about what they can offer you, then you're a hypocrite. Lord, I want to have an attitude of humility. Paul understood this, right? He said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, That he's unworthy. Again, we said he persecuted the church. He did what he could to keep the gospel from advancing. He says, I'm unworthy to be called an apostle. There's that humility, right? He understands who he is. Because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Again, this isn't something that I mustered up. This isn't something that I went to school for. This isn't something that I tried really hard and got really good at. No, This is something that God gave to me. And Paul is referring to his call as an apostle. It's just by God's grace. There's no other explanation. I can't explain it any other way. I don't deserve this. And if you want to be used powerfully by the Lord in your life, you're going to have to cultivate an attitude of humility. Why do I know this? Because you see an amazing truth at work throughout the scriptures. Whenever there's pride that rears its ugly head in someone's life, you know what is right around the corner? Destruction. It started with Lucifer, who in his prideful, arrogant heart said, Why should I allow God to receive this worship when I could be worshiped myself? I deserve the throne. And because of it, he was cast from heaven. Right? It goes on throughout the scripture. You can see the same pattern. When pride rears its ugly head, destruction is right around the corner. Right? The proverb says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Many of you maybe are setting yourselves up for. A grand fall very soon because you're so prideful, so arrogant. Look at what this text says, though. Paul goes on, he says, listen, I don't want you to understand, or I want you to understand that this is just by grace that I can even say this. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But he says this, in actuality, I encourage you to use sober judgment. Okay, it's no mystery, just like in our English text or in our English language, the word sober there means to not be intoxicated, to not be drunk. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, don't be drunk with yourself. Again, if we're honest, there are a lot of people walking around the world today who are totally intoxicated with themselves. The world revolves around them, right? If we really truly understand the gospel, we have to understand that the opposite is true. That the world revolves around God. Right, I have to conform my will to his. He, he has to be the one to call the shots. But really, so many are blinded by this. And here's the way that you can break out of this mindset. This is the way you can be sober-minded, is to take your eyes off of your own self just for a moment. To challenge yourselves to cultivate an attitude of humility by doing this. I'm not going to focus on my problems. I'm not going to focus on my health. I'm not going to focus on my finances. I'm not going to focus on my trial or my storm or my heartache. Instead of focusing on myself, I'm going to cultivate this attitude where I'm focusing on what other people are feeling first. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It's not natural for Man in the flesh to do that. This has to be a move of the spirit. Before you can get to operate in these spiritual gifts in the way that God has intended, you have to purpose in your heart that I'm going to be selfless. I'm going to stop thinking of myself first and think of others. The people who are the most radically used by God are those who understand that this isn't about me, but this is about the people that God wants to reach through me. The people that God wants to bless through me. Why? Because God sees in that heart someone that can be used. Do you think that it's a coincidence that Jesus, the most humble man to have ever walked the earth, was also the man of most power that ever walked the earth? There's no coincidence there. If you want to radically be used by God, before you even go in and dive in and figure out which gift you have, you have to purpose in your heart and say, well, Lord, once I find out what this gift is, once I receive this gift from you, I'm purposing my, in my heart that I'm going to use this gift to bless you and to bless others. This isn't for me. This is one gift that you get in your life that you get, that you receive in order to give away immediately. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Use sober judgment. And then he says this, that, that just as everyone has received a certain measure of faith. Some of you this morning are struggling with whether or not God wants to use you. You're struggling and maybe you even know that you have a gift and you have this like burning this heart that you know you need to be more involved. But you're still sitting in the bleachers. You're sitting on the sidelines and you're watching the game take place. And you know that God has called you to participate but you're struggling with whether or not you're worthy. You're struggling with whether or not you're able. And the good news that I have to offer you today is that I can answer those questions for you. You absolutely are not worthy. And you absolutely are not able. But it isn't about you. It's about God. So get off of your butts and into the game. Right? So listen to what he says here. He's going to move on. Look at, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of themselves more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of, faith that God has assigned. God has given each of you a measure of faith, and he's going to give you enough faith to carry out that gift, to flesh that gift out, to use and utilize that gift. Now look at this, verse four. For as in one body we have many members, and many members do not all have the same function. Now pause there for a moment. We are in one body, okay? So we began, we looked at a humble mind, but you also have to have a harmonious mind. Okay, we're building up to a healthy perspective, okay? So secondly, if you're writing notes or if you're taking notes, write down a harmonious mind. You have to think about the whole, the good of the whole, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can go and you can read this later on, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul uses this incredible analogy, same analogy he's going to use here in Romans chapter 12, of a body, right? And the body has a lot of different parts, In order for the body as a whole to function properly, all of the parts have to do their part. All of the members of the body have to fulfill their role, right? And so Paul says this, can the hand say to the rest of the body, I don't need the rest of you? Can the eye say to the ear, look, because you don't see, I don't really need you? No, you need to be able to hear, you need to be able to see, you need to be able to walk. You need the whole body. The whole body it has to be in harmony together in order for fruitfulness to take place, in order for these gifts to really truly flow. Every member has to do their part. Every single one of you this morning has to do your part, right? So, again, he says they're members of the same body, but we don't all have the same function. That word in the Greek it can mean roles, it can mean office. So, we don't all have the same office, we don't all have the same roles, we don't all have the same function. We're very different in the way God has made us and what God has called us to do and how God has called us to serve. And that's okay, right? That's absolutely okay. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7. It says this, "To each is given the manifestation of the spirit For the common good. In other words, to every single one of us, God has given a gift to use for the good of us all. You have a gift that God wants to use in order to bless the rest of the body. How many of you guys watched the Super Bowl this last week? Some people, a lot of people probably watched the Super Bowl. So... You know, after Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl with a second team, now, it's pretty much undeniable that that's the GOAT, right? The greatest of all time. It's an acronym for greatest of all time. He's the GOAT, the greatest football player ever. But here's the thing, right? He's a 43-year-old middle-aged man with a dad body. Let's be honest. A dad bod, right? If the entire team was made up of Tom Brady's, they would have been run over in the Super Bowl. I don't care if he's the greatest of all time or not. Do you want Tom Brady running the ball from the backfield? You do not. Do you want Tom Brady blocking on the offensive line? You do not, right? Tom Brady is not Tom Brady unless the entire team is fulfilling their role, fulfilling their function. They're a part of a bigger picture, and he understands this as a teammate, that I can't do what I do unless the guys around me are doing their part, unless they're taking this just as seriously as I'm taking this. And here's the thing that I want you to understand. On that team, every player on that team is important to the success of that team. The Buccaneers do not win the Super Bowl if every player doesn't do their part. How can I say that this for certain? Because if you watched the game, did you see the Chiefs punter? right? That has to be the most overpaid guy on the entire team. It said in all of postseason, before the Super Bowl, he had punted like once or twice the entire postseason, right? On the field one or two times before the Super Bowl, like not really used much at all. So the guy's rusty. The Chiefs punter gets out onto the field and he shanks a couple punts. I mean, one punt goes nine yards, right? You can't win a game if your punter punts the ball for nine yards. It's not going to happen. I don't care how great of a quarterback you have. Every person serves a role, serves a purpose within the body. And here's the struggle is a lot of times we look at ourselves and we look at the way God made us and we look at our gifts and we think, well, because I can't preach or because I can't lead worship or because I'm not a good teacher that I don't serve a purpose or that my gifts are not valuable to the rest of the body. They absolutely are. Not everyone's going to be the greatest of all time quarterback. It's just not going to happen. There has to be a punter on the team, and the punter is necessary in order for the entire team to experience a level of success. It's okay for you to not be the pastor or the worship leader or the Sunday school teacher. God still needs to use you.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Love Live Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley.